Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. If you like our podcast, I'd encourage you to check out our website, familybiblejourney.com. That's familybiblejourney, all lowercases, no spaces, dot com, where you can find links to our social, support the ministry, or find other resources, especially if you're journaling with us through the Bible. Thanks for listening. This is episode 24, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey New Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 16. The title of today's podcast is Hero and Anti-Hero. And our key verses for today are verses 15 to 19 where we read, Jesus said to his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. And so in this chapter, Jesus continues to duel with the Pharisees, and they are demanding signs, ways that he would prove his divinity, and he refuses to play their game. He's already healed all sorts of diseases, already fed the multitudes on multiple of occasions, and they just aren't going to believe anything he does. And so he says at the beginning of the chapter that the only sign that's going to be given them is the sign of Jonah. This is, of course, reference to his arrest, betrayal, suffering, death, and resurrection, that he was going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, meaning buried, covered up with God's wrath, and even physically dead, resting in the earth before the resurrection. And the Pharisees, it doesn't matter what Jesus does or what he says, they're, they're just not going to believe. They've got it set in their minds. They're just not going to listen to him. And so Jesus, at this point in the story, now takes his disciples and he puts some space between him and the disciples by taking the disciples up to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was a pagan city. It was a hotbed of idolatry, but it is a beautiful place. It's one of my favorite places to go in the Holy Land. As a matter of fact, almost every time I go, I like to take my groups on a hike up the River Gorge along the Jordan River, because Caesarea Philippi was right at the headwaters of the Jordan River, where the Jordan River, there are three headwaters to the Jordan River, but one of the places where it begins, it literally shoots out from underneath the foot of Mount Hermon, and that's where Caesarea Philippi was. And when you go there, you can still see to this day the remnants of a center for idolatry, where there were dozens of pagan gods, false gods, that were worshipped there in that place. And this is the place where Jesus takes his disciples, to have this conversation with them where he asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, honestly, he gets the prize in this one. And so we're going to read this passage. I know that we've already read it in our key verses for today, but we're going to read this passage to hear the conversation here between Jesus and Peter. Beginning in verse 15, Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. This passage, Peter is exalted, he is lifted up, by Jesus for this confession. He's the first person who confesses Jesus is both the Son of God and the Son of Man here in the Gospels. 
And it is that confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the very Son of the living God, that is the basis of Jesus' compliment. He is not setting Peter up to be the leader, exclusive of all the other disciples, but he is holding Peter's confession of him as the Christ, the Son of the living God, up as the basis and the foundation then of the church. And he gives Peter and the disciples this great gift. We call this the keys, the office of the keys, right? The calling, the authority. Whatever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the work of the church. It's like to say that the church is in the forgiveness business. If you want to make that one of your words of wisdom, that's not a bad use for one of those uh, designations. The church is in the forgiveness business. And I also do have a, a words of wisdom here on verse 19 that says, Christ gave the keys to open, not close, heaven's doors. We as Christians are called to give and share mercy as we have received it from God, our Father in heaven. And yet there are many who take this authority, I'm air quoting, I know you can't see me on a podcast and this whole air court saying, authority of the church to forgive sins as a weapon. And, and there are many times in the course of human history and in the history of the church where uh, the Catholics will excommunicate the Lutherans, the Lutherans excommunicate the Catholics, the Reformed excommunicate people, all these sorts of different Christian groups because they have disagreements in theologies and understanding the way that God works, excommunicating each other, in other words, damning them to hell, condemning them, calling them anathema. And I personally do not think that's the best use of the keys because we have human beings setting themselves up as judges over other human beings. And we got to be really, really careful if that's what we're going to do, because you got to remember what Jesus said back in Matthew 7, the measure with which you measure unto others, it will be measured unto you. And so if we use the keys as a weapon, and we are putting ourselves really in the throne room of God and in the seat of God to condemn other human beings for what they do or say, well, then we're not giving ourselves much grace either. And so we want to be careful with that tendency, because I do believe that God gave the keys for us to open heaven's doors, not slam them in people's faces, which unfortunately I think is more common uh, than not. So Peter here is the hero. He's the one who gets it right. But before the end of the chapter, he also is going to be the anti-hero because as soon as Peter gets it right and is commended by Jesus, Jesus is going to begin telling his disciples that it is his life's work to go to Jerusalem to suffer and to die and to rise again. Peter takes issue with that because he loves Jesus. He's following Jesus. You know, life is great with Jesus right here. No storm on the sea, no big deal. Jesus will fix it. I uh, want to walk on water? Sure, why not? Uh, sounds like fun to me. Let's do it. We can with Jesus. Without him, eh, a little difficult. So Peter does not want Jesus to go. Peter does not want Jesus to suffer. Peter does not want Jesus to die. And we are told that he actually takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. To which Jesus tells Peter, Get behind me, Satan. For you are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. All Peter was thinking about in this moment is all that Jesus could do for him by staying there as a part of his life when Jesus' life's work was much more important than just taking care of Peter and his needs. It was taking care of the greatest spiritual need of all of humanity. In order to do that, he was going to have to suffer and he was going to have to die. But Peter didn't get it. Now, Peter... I don't want to go too hard on Peter. I like to say that he suffers from an affliction that is common to human beings who are born with a Y chromosome, and that is foot and mouth disease. He seems to be a little impulsive. He seems to be a little bit expressive, and he seems to say what is exactly on top of his mind. He doesn't have much of a filter. And I think that's why he is saying this, because this is how he's feeling. But Jesus has to tell him, 
Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. And then Jesus goes on in this very next section before the end of the chapter, letting his disciples know that the path of discipleship is not going to be an easy road. It's going to be a tough road. And then if someone wants to follow Jesus, they're going to have to be willing to give everything up for him. And I summarize this section in verse 25. I've got this outlined in red where Jesus says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We are not going to find the true meaning for our existence as the people of God unless we are willing to go and to follow even when it doesn't make any sense to us and even if it means sacrifice and suffering on our part. But anytime that we as Christians would go through any sort of sacrifice or any sort of suffering for the cause of Christ and for the kingdom of God, we are literally doing the Lord's work. We are doing for God and for his people what Jesus Christ has done for us. And there is a tremendous blessing for us in that. And so I have that passage outlined in red because it shows us that the heart that led Jesus to suffer and to die on the cross for us is the same heart that leads us to do for others according to this passage. Now I'm going to go back a little bit in the chapter because I do have some passages highlighted here that I didn't mention earlier in the podcast. So for those of you who are journaling along, I do have verse 18 where Jesus says, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. I've got that outlined in green. And then I have that next passage, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I've got that actually outlined in red, green, and blue. It's one of the most important passages, I think, because as I said before, the church is in the forgiveness business. This is why God leaves us this institution of church, that we can open heaven's doors for others by sharing the good news of his redeeming love with them. And that's what Peter and the disciples are going to spend the rest of their lives the rest of their natural lives doing for Jesus as they spread the gospel. And so we're going to conclude our our episode looking forward to next chapter when we're going to see the transfiguration and we are going to get to see a wonderful display of the divinity and the humanity of Christ Jesus up there on the mountain with the disciples. But before we get to that episode, we are going to conclude this episode with our blessing. If this podcast is a blessing to you and you would like to make a financial investment in our ministry, go to the website, familybiblejourney.com, where you can make a one-time contribution or, even better yet, become one of our monthly sponsors. I receive zero compensation from this podcast because it is 100% a labor of love for you. 90% of your donation goes to our cause and 10% a tithe to other ministries we support. All contributions are tax-deductible, and as always, Thank you for your investment, and thanks for listening. Our blessing for today. May you lose and then find yourself in Christ, because you can't imagine the plans he has for you, or the good you will do when you live for the one who died for you. Amen.